you turn on the television, you listen to the radio, all of a sudden we're starting to see a lot of advertisements where they're saying, send us your DNA and you'll learn so much more about yourself. You can learn where you came from. You can even learn the odds of you getting cancer. It amazed me to hear that now with just some saliva, your DNA can be analyzed and actually tell you whether or not you're smart. And this testing can even happen down into when the baby is in utero. As you might imagine, there's a lot of ramifications about DNA intelligence testing. And if you're just joining us for our Commando On Demand podcast, welcome. But you missed episode one, how DNA tests could predetermine your future. Because right now, we're on episode two, the second part of this podcast, because there was just so much to cover. We couldn't just do it in one. As always, in our Commando On Demand podcast, we always have some expert guests. You'll be hearing from Robert Plummett. He's a behavioral geneticist at King's College in London. He's the author of the book, Blueprint, How DNA Makes Us Who We Are. Also joining us is Dr. Catherine Bliss. She's an associate professor of sociology at the University of California, San Francisco. She wrote the book, Social by Nature. So are you ready? Put on your thinking cap because we are going to examine, we're going to go a little bit deeper and answer the question, can DNA really predict intelligence? Ten fingers, ten toes, that's all that used to matter. Not now. Now, only seconds old, the exact time and cause of my death was already known. Neurological condition, 60% probability. Manic depression, 42% probability. Attention deficit disorder, 89% probability. Heart disorder, 99% probability. Early fatal potential, life expectancy, 30.2 years. What if you could test your child minutes after delivery? How much would your mind really like to know about your infant's capabilities? Any heart problems? Maybe they're athletic. Maybe they're just brilliant. What if you could look at your child's characteristics even before pregnancy? In vitro fertilization is a pretty common treatment. Clinics already test the DNA embryos to spot rare diseases such as cystic fibrosis. But what if those tests could go steps further and actually create a life's forecast for that embryo? After screening, we are left, as you see, with two healthy boys and two very healthy girls. Naturally, no critical predispositions to any of the major inheritable diseases. All that remains is to select the most compatible candidate. You want to give your child the best possible start. Believe me, we have enough imperfection built in already. Your child doesn't need any additional burdens. And keep in mind, this child is still you. Simply the best of you. You could conceive naturally a thousand times and never get such a result. In this case, we're talking about so-called designer babies. A baby whose genetic makeup is artificially selected by a combination of in vitro and genetic engineering. In layman's terms, choosing what type of baby you want. Kind of like just looking at an embryo menu for the child that you most desire. Advocates argue this type of selection reduces the risk of genetic diseases and can actually improve the lifespan and give the child a better chance at success. But might it also predict the child's intelligence? 
Geneticist Robert Plumman thinks so. Robert, moms and dads all aspire for the best heirs. After all, it's been said, every new generation should outdo the last generation. You ask parents what's important, like when parents adopt children or when they do uh, egg uh, donors, the first thing they look for is drugs. They don't want people who are druggies. But the second thing they're asking about is intelligence, signs of intelligence, like did they go to university, stuff like that. So intelligence is very important to people. Dr. Catherine Bliss agrees. There will always be the allure about designer babies. Testing genes for IQ is a stride in that direction. But maybe it shouldn't be a feasible option. Many people believe that it could create a gap in our society, where only the people who can afford it actually get it. Um, only breed those of the highest classes and um, and create a world of haves and eliminate all the have-nots. On the other hand, it's hard to think a mother or a father wouldn't be enticed by the prospect of giving their child a leg up on the competition. Um, giving your child an advantage and ensuring their success is really one of the most uh, appealing things to uh prospective parents and uh, and those who will have the capacity to do so will try these tests and will use them in order to give their children or unborn children advantages. Let's turn our focus to child development and learning abilities. Hypothetically, you spend the money and you get your child tested. The scores come back. Based on them, you start working on a blueprint. You become the architect for the ideal learning environment based on your kids' DNA grades. Robert, you think it's then up to the educational systems to build programs around genetic scores? Education is like the last bastion of anti-genetics, you know? They, they really have this view that, you know, something's genetic that puts them out of business or something, which is silly, you know, if not stupid, really. And if you look at teacher, what teachers read to be trained to be teachers, nothing about genetics. But talk to any teacher, and they know that kids differ. You know, that some kids will learn to read almost without any help, and other kids are going to struggle. They, they try to, all teachers, you know, try to do the best for, say, the 30 kids in their class. But, and they're doing, you know, about the same. I mean, they're not, like you know, preventing one child from learning or anything. And yet it's just obvious how different children are in how they learn. And increasingly, I think it's not just aptitude, it's appetite. It's what they like to learn. Now, Catherine, you reckon that scientists like Robert are too focused on DNA and genes. They need to actually step back and survey the entire picture. As you mentioned, the resources that they have at their disposal, and what kind of upbringing they've had, uh, and you know, social class plays into this as well. Um, and so there are so many reasons why the, the tests that actually tell you whether a person uh, has a high or low IQ or uh, high or medium or low intelligence are problematic themselves. Teachers already have their plates full, but Robert, you think they need to adapt and actually be tutored in genetics you presume that we give them too much credit or blame. You know, one, someone who's particularly good at school, you know, you think, well done, you're working hard, and 
And another child, though, isn't doing so well. And, you know, you first blame the school, then you blame the teacher, then you blame the kid. You say, well, obviously just not trying hard enough. And, and yet, with genetics, you come to recognize that people, even children in a family, are different genetically. Do you think by simply incorporating genetics testing for brain power, we'll actually see kids do better in school? Which must be better than our current strategy, which is to let kids get to school, let them fail, like on reading, and then you say, oh, we better do something about this. But, you know, by then, a child's self-esteem might be damaged, and, you know, and the other kids know that child's a bit slow or whatever. Every child's different. Think of your kid compared to his or her friends. What about your own siblings? How many times have you wondered, how am I even related to this person? We have nothing in common. That's right. Genes don't tell the entire story. If we put too much stock into these DNA IQ tests, it sounds like we would actually move towards personalized learning, tailoring class instruction to specific interests of each particular child. What do you think about that, Robert? Recognize that children are different and respect those differences. And where this has to go is towards more personalization, you know, and for parents too, I think, not just teachers. We need to be like resource managers and figure out, give kids opportunities to find out what they're good at and increasingly, I think, what they like to do. What would you say to parents who disagree with the DNA IQ test? For a child to excel, it's about nurturing, teaching, patience, and tolerance. Maybe mom wants to give piano lessons, even though the saliva evaluation says little Johnny can never play the piano. It's true. With 10,000 hours of training in music, you could take a kid who is not musically gifted at all and get them to be awfully good at music. But they're not stupid. They're going to see that their friend, with hardly any effort, is just zipping along musically, composing and all of that. So if you could, you know, be a dictator and make your kid do those 10,000 hours, you know, you, could do, you can do a lot. It, you know, it's not that the environment is... Um, impotent. But why not go with the flow and figure out what your kids like to do and what they're good at and help them do that? It sounds like you think scientific technology will diminish the role that a parent or a teacher or a mentor plays when it comes to the intelligence of a child. You know, I think part of our role as parents and teachers is to understand who they are, to enjoy them, and I think to relax. Because the genetics research says we don't make much of a difference. Parents and teachers matter a lot. They're important for, you know, a relationship. But if they think that they're determining whether their kid becomes a mathematician or a musician or schizophrenic, they're really wrong, that they don't have much of a systematic effect, that by far the greatest systematic effect on who we are is our inherited DNA. Let me tell you, I know a lot of moms, dads, and teachers who would disagree with that stance. It's almost as if to allow someone's fate to be determined by one single test. Science, well, it's not something to fear, but the way people might use it can actually be fearful. Catherine, do you think testing for IQ could actually lead to inequalities? They would find, okay, these people should be slotted for this kind of school, these other people should be slotted for this other kind of school. Um, maybe we'll, we'll have these kids go to a labor school or a labor camp even, 
um, and have these kids go to a regular um, college preparatory school and have these other kids go to a trade school. And you can see how this can create a system of complete inequality, a social order based on inequality based off of faulty tests. Up next, people are going to be purchasing these DNA IQ tests. Will they grow in popularity? Are cognitive abilities linked to DNA? Are they linked to family income and opportunities? Technology is making nature versus nurture that argument much more emphatic. Several companies are already offering these DNA tests. For something like $50, you can find out for yourself if your child is at risk of being smart or not. A simple tally that you can hold in high regard or you think about, ah, they don't know what they're talking about. The larger issue is what can we do with these polygenic scores, especially in a positive way. And I think the idea of preventing problems before they occur is going to be the major positive aspect to this. Because, again, the test and the research is problematic. It's, um, and they're all based on probability. You know, all of these, every time that you look at someone's genome and you find that they have this marker versus that marker, we're talking about base pairs. We're, we're talking about, you know, we have each individual has over 3 billion base pairs of DNA in their bodies. And you cannot know enough about a person. You'd have to do whole genome sequencing of the highest resolution on every single person out there to know really what each allele means, what each variant means. And we don't have that kind of information. And there's no, that will not happen in the next 10 years. That will not happen in the next 100 years. It may never happen, in fact. But how much of our intelligence is predetermined by genetics? That's a question that we've investigated for over a century. One thing's for sure, these tests will only throw gasoline into this fiery debate. We can all agree, though, that people are different. And they're not just different environmentally. The major systematic force in making people different is genetics. And by that, we mean inherited DNA sequence that you inherit from the single cell formed from your mother's egg and your father's sperm. So that is exactly the number one message, is that people are different, our children are different, and a lot of that has to do with genetics. What we don't agree on is whether academic performance and IQ have a genetic basis. When someone recognizes your personal accomplishments or talent, should you say, oh, it wasn't me, it was my genes? Genes can cause differences in brain development, but they aren't exactly our destiny, Catherine. It will continue to be talked about as the holy grail. And the more that people take these tests and the more popular they become, the more that people will reinvent themselves based off of the test. So they're not, they're not even going to be, um, you know, phased by any new information that is that could counter what the tests say. They're just going to be like, wow, these tests have told me this, and now I'm going to go live my life in this new way.
Human intelligence has some genetic components. While no one disputes the importance of genes, they don't seal our fate. The ability to predict cognitive potential from DNA could prove tremendously useful. But right now, there's no conclusion on whether intelligence is more inherited or it's more learned. But technology has seemed to make DNA a commodity, and it's being sought after by scientists, scholars, and just a slew of biotech companies. You give them your data, and in return, they send you results. If you want to get tested, go for it. The choice is yours. The results may endorse or substantiate the notion you have of yourself or your child. And of course, if you're super smart, be sure to thank your parents for that. When you flip the script, those results could be premature. It's up to you to decide what to do with them. Be careful that you don't make any disastrous decision based on one single test. Intelligence is like your friend's relationship status. It's complicated, it's always evolving. You have your genes, your environment, your social situation, your internal motivation, all these factors into thinking who we are. And some of us are still struggling to find ourselves. Research will continue mapping our genes. I just wonder if the final destination will actually be, I don't know, the smartest choice. Thanks for joining me for this podcast. And if you liked it, share it with your family and friends. And by the way, whether you're on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, be sure that you give us a great five-star review and write something really swell too, because that helps other people find our podcasts. And while you're there, hit that big old subscribe button. This way you get our Commando On Demand podcast delivered to you automatically, even when you're sleeping. And if you like tech news, stay up to date the easy way. Subscribe to commando.com's Tech News Today and also Tech News This Week. And thanks for listening.